So, here we go. There's a natural aggression to the human experience. If you uh, have lived any years on this planet, you realize that at some point you're going to face competition. It comes from sometimes expected places, like from opposition, from enemies, from people who don't like you, and inexplainably for most, it comes from sources you would never expect. Friends, people you're dating, people you're married to, loved ones, family. But make no mistake, your ability to process and handle the competition, specifically the aggression of other people, is one of the most important traits, skills, and parts of your character that you must develop if you're looking to live the good life. If you want health, wealth, love, and happiness... This is something you have to understand. Now, let me explain. When I say aggression, I don't necessarily mean somebody trying to punch you in the face. In fact, that is the most rare type of aggression you will ever uh, experience. Obviously, humans as a group, as nations, go to war with each other. But in general, crime, war, these are not the things that are going to affect you directly, especially in the modern world in most countries. But as Will Durant says in the Lessons of History, the first biological lesson of history is that life is competition. Competition is not only the life of trade, it is the trade of life. Peaceful when food abounds, violent when the mouths outrun the food. Animals eat one another without qualm. Civilized men consume one another by due process of law. What Durant, the great historian, was saying is that the story of life is that we are competitive. One of the uh, books I've been reading recently, and one of the few books that I read slowly, is The Selfish Gene by Richard Dawkins. Controversial book, of course, written, I think, in 1976 by this biologist, Richard Dawkins. And his main point is that in his opinion, in his research, if you break down the human experience, it's genes within us competing, right? It's somewhat similar to how we understand Darwin, but it's a nuanced understanding. And whether or not you believe that, you would have to have your head in the sand to not see that there's aggression, maybe passive aggression, in the company you work at. If you're an entrepreneur in the business that you run between yourself and your customers in your family, look, go to a family reunion anywhere in the world. Do you not see sometimes brothers angry at brothers, parents angry at children, parents angry at each other, spouses not getting along, parents and children not getting along? This is the aggression that I'm talking about. Now, someone said to me, is it really aggression? They said, you know... there's different personality types, disc assessment, you know, all these different personality types you can do. And they said only a couple of them are aggressive. Their point to me was, Ty, not everybody's aggressive. And I would say everybody in some sense is aggressive, pursuing that which they want. For example, growing up, I grew up in, in a few different religious backgrounds. My mom changed a little bit and, uh, you know, my 
My grandma was atheist, raised me when I was young. My dad was Catholic when I was born. Uh, before I remember, I think I was baptized Catholic, then raised by this atheist grandmother at some point along with my mom. Then my mom uh, became more Christian. And then later in life, my mom became more kind of hippie and new age. So been through many ex- understandings, but... One thing that's never changed is how I see people dealing with other people. And the way that people deal with other people is a bit of altruism and a bit of aggression. It's confusing. Many of us are confused, I believe, because we see life in black and white. We forget what Dostoevsky said. Great saying. He said, as a general rule, people, even the wicked are much more naive and simple-hearted than we supposed, and we ourselves are too. That's in the Brothers Karamazov. The point being that he was saying is that, yes, as we feel this, maybe you've been cheated on by somebody. Maybe somebody you were married to divorced you and left you. Maybe you had a parent who, in hindsight, as you look back at the upbringing that you had, clearly did not always act with your best interests at heart. That is aggressiveness. What they are saying is, I am aggressively moving towards my goal. Some of you listening had parents who uh, neglected you. A father or mother who left you when you were young. That happened to me. And when I say aggression, the confusion is, you know, what do you mean by that? Well, as simple as that person said, you know what? I'm more concerned about myself than I am concerned about my child, Ty. Now, you may have had a good family or not. You will experience this. And if you're not careful, you will be thrown back. And most people never recover from it. If you are in business, you will feel this. You will feel the competitiveness of a business partner, of an employee. And when I say aggression is when competitive uh, competitiveness crosses over the boundaries into competing with something you want, the scarce resources that you want. It could be your time. It could be your money. You know, I said I grew up in these different religious faiths and it was interesting. I remember thinking when I was 13 or 14 years old, the church I was at, they were having a picnic, picnic with a softball game and the pastor at the church, nice guy, uh, I've always, looking back, he was a great person, but I remember he prayed, I don't know if he was joking, but he said, well, we pray there'll be great weather for our uh, game tomorrow. And I remember thinking, so now, I, by the way, this is not a, I'm not trying to have a conversation about God or religion. I, I try to stay away from that. It's uh, in this as much as I can because it's a very heated conversation that, and I want to stay on target what I'm trying to talk about. But I remember thinking, well, what if there was a farmer, because this was kind of in the countryside, who lived, you know, in the same vicinity as where we're doing the softball game and his crops needed rain? What if the farmer is praying that it would rain the next day? Uh, see, that's aggression, aggression. That's competitiveness. Even in the prayer saying, protect my best interests. And remember, oftentimes your best interests come at expense of somebody else. You are competitive. There are people that perceive the things you do 
as aggressive towards their goals. This is a never ending conversation. This is what is called ESS, evolutionary stable strategies. And what happens if you study nature as a cow has struck a deal with grass. When a cow eats grass, the grass has adapted to take the saliva of the cow and actually use it to heal itself so that it can grow back faster. Remember, a plant has genes. Grass has genes. Biologists can decode the DNA of the genetic sequence of a piece of grass, and they can also do it of a cow. So both a cow and a plant are alive at the gene level, right? And what's in the cow's best interest is to eat the grass. But the grass's best interest is to grow and, just like everything, to reproduce. It creates seeds and creates little baby plants. And what happens in life and this ESS concept, this stable strategy concept, is you in life, with every person you encounter, with every business you are in, with every person that you date, marry, with every child that you have, you must understand that the proper, or I, I don't want, I want to hesitate, take that back from, and not say proper, but that you must strike a stable strategy. You can't be too aggressive and you can't be too passive. One of the issues in my life that I've learned as I've gotten, uh, as, you know, as I've grown up is that I have often been at one extreme or the other, too aggressive or too passive. But I need to learn from nature, like the grass. The grass doesn't always secrete poison so that the cow can't eat it. No, the grass says, okay. We'll make it so that when the cow eats us, we'll use that to spread our seeds. They struck a deal. You have to strike a deal in life with many, many people, with many, many forces that are beyond your uh, control. This is hard. It might be a hard subject. You might want to have some practical. Well, let me just give you a practical. Let's say you're an employee or let's say you're an entrepreneur and you're the employer. People work for you. Either way, if you strike too hard of a deal and you tell your employees, I'm only going to pay you eight bucks an hour and you have to work 16 hours a day, that would be in your best interest. That's your aggression. You're saying, hey, do this for me. This is going to help me. It's going to put food on my family's table. Me, 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 me. But as we all know, eventually there'll be a revolt. But on the flip side, if the employees say, we're just going to work three hours a day and we want a hundred bucks an hour and we want 90% of the profits. What will happen? The employer, the entrepreneur will say, forget it. I'll find somebody else who does it and you'll be out of a job. Life becomes stable strategies if you want a good life. So as everybody knows, I talk about the good life. Some of you are in my uh, private coaching programs and this is as you know, something you've heard me talk about, even more in depth there. But here on this show, what I want you to understand is a concept that's not the simplest to understand. But just remember, some of the most important things aren't the simplest. You must accept that you are going to go out in life and look out for your own best interests. Like Richard Dawkins says, the selfish gene, even if you are not selfish at all. 
consciously. I'm talking about what will happen at a subconscious level. Let me give you an example. If you disagree with me, if you had your children or your family, maybe you don't have children, brothers and sisters, mothers, fathers and grandfathers, they were all in a house and that house caught on fire and there was only time to save your own son or daughter or sister or mother or to save strangers who are you most likely to risk your life and jump through the fire and potentially die to try to save? Well, most of us would say we'd probably save our loved ones, our best friends first. And no one would fault you that for that. No one would say, how dare you do that? You should save strangers first. No, that's what's expected. And there's nothing wrong. And <clears throat> even different religions, like the Bible, Christianity says, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend, right? So even there, you see in different religious fall, uh, beliefs that there is also that belief that it's okay to look out for those who have looked out for you. But remember, in a certain sense, from Richard Dawkins' standpoint, that's selfishness. You are reaching out to your own children because they carry your own flesh and blood in their genes. You look out for your friends because they protect your interests, which helps you. You see, there is an inherent selfishness to us all. And as long as it's held in check and not taken to the extreme, as capitalism uh, teaches and, rich, and let's say Adam Smith teaches, there can be good that comes from this selfishness. There can be good. You see, people that see selfishness in black and white are still thinking in medieval understandings of life. In the sense of right and wrong when it comes to selfishness, I don't believe those terms should be used. It should be, is it an ESS? Is it a stable strategy, the level of selfishness and aggressiveness that you have towards others? And on the flip side, are you allowing people to take advantage of you in an unstable way, in a way that eventually will cause you to revolt and it will be a lose-lose situation? I want you to think through your life specifically. Let's think about, let's start, as I like to talk about the good life. Let's talk about how you approach health, your health. Is it stable? Are you overworking out? <laughs> Remember, ESS is relationship to your body. I was talking uh, on the phone to Dr. Sharon Molum. He's the best-selling author of the book Inheritance. He's a medical doctor and specialist in genes and genetics. And he says, oftentimes as I talk to athletes, I see, or, or just people in general, I see two extremes. People who are not working out enough, they're not pushing their body. They're not being aggressive enough because he says, if you're aggressive enough and you exercise enough, what happens is you force your genes to go to work. They don't want to work. They want to conserve, he said, energy at the gene level, producing enzymes, the catalyst that get everything going in your body is very expensive. So your body's naturally a little bit lazy. That's why it's hard for people to diet and hard for people to exercise because your body's revolting. And he says oftentimes people don't exercise enough at all. And we see that in countries like, you know, here in the United States where 60% of people are overweight or obese. But he says he sees also on the flip side, people are too aggressive to their body. They're running, he says, you know, 28K marathons and they're working out six times a week. And he says he can see it under a microscope at the genetic level. They are pushing 
the genes too aggressively. He said, you got to find the balance. And what Richard Dawkins would say is you have to find the ESS. And it's not even Richard Dawkins. This is kind of a common biological term that you will find in textbooks. The whole goal of this show, by the way, is for me to take, you may not have time to read as much as I do. It's kind of what I do as an investor. And, you know, I tried to follow Warren Buffett, who spends eight hours a day reading. I, I don't quite spend eight hours a day reading, but my goal is to bring you things that you might not have time to read. You know, you might be smarter, a lot smarter than me, but you might be busy with other things. So what I've learned uh, through these textbooks and, and from scientists is that Everything is striking a deal. So I want you to think hard about your health. Have you struck too aggressive or not aggressive enough deal with your body? Right? Oversleeping can actually be unhealthy. And so can undersleeping. You can't be too aggressive either way. You see? Different parts of your body win when you sleep. And so you're striking a deal with that kind of um, process that's going on in your body when you sleep. But yet we know if you read the science, sometimes people who sleep too much don't necessarily live longer. Now that's hard to know if it's causation or correlation, but nonetheless, we see uh, patterns like this. Now let's take your finances, your wealth situation. You may be striking a deal that is not good enough, uh, not in your best interest. As one of, uh, I think it was Gary Townsend, he's one of the, he's a Harvard MBA, one of the top entrepreneurs in New Zealand when I was just not quite a teenager. I lived, went and traveled the world when I was in my early 20s and was there in New Zealand. And uh, he said to me, you know, Ty, he said, the definition of a employee is somebody who uses their energy for somebody else's dream. And he said the definition of a employer is somebody who uses other people's energy for somebody else's dream, right? If you're a manager, you're using your employees' energy for the owner's dream. And he said, but the definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who uses their own energy, self-employed, so to speak, for their own dream. That sounds good, but there's something better. What about an investor? An investor uses their money and other people's energy for the dream of of the uh of the investor but the highest thing he said would be the capitalist in his opinion which was somebody who used other people's money and other people's energy for their own dream now you may or may not agree with that that was his kind of very capitalistic uh understanding and and uh like i said on the issues like this i don't believe in black and white i believe in if you push too hard on the employee or you push too hard on the economy, you will get a result. Newton's third law. For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. Remember that as you go through life. Remember that if you're too aggressive and you try to get your way too much, whether it be from your body or whether it be from your finances. Remember, if you try to invest too aggressively in the stock market or too aggressively in your business, that's aggression that you're doing financially, right? If you study macro and microeconomics, you'll understand business is inherently, especially in the modern world, almost every country is now converted to some form of capitalism. With even countries like, you know, I lived in Sweden for a while and I lived in Scandinavia, considered very socialistic. 
They're very capitalistic. China can, you know, it's theoretically supposed to be communistic. In some ways, it's more capitalistic than the United States. Very aggressive. But I'm bringing you to what I, not that what I, but what the great minds of the world would say is a more enlightened state when it comes to how you see business. Business is a deal. You got to strike it with yourself. How many hours are you going to work towards your dream? How many hours? And, and don't listen to people when they say this is good and this is bad and you should work four hours a week or you should work a hundred hours a week like Elon Musk says. There is no answer that's absolute. There's only stable strategies, meaning what is your stable strategy? I promise you this. When it comes to acquiring wealth, everybody has different capacities and different goals. You must find the stable strategy for yourself. And you go, Ty, what does that mean? Well, look deep at yourself uh, financially. Look deeply into your situation. Think for a second with me as you listen to this. Do you feel you're on a rat race and not getting anywhere financially? That's probably not an ESS. If you don't feel satisfied both with the amount of money that you make and the amount of labor you're putting into it, I bet you you're doing something for somebody else's aggressive dream. You are a cog in somebody else's machine. And that may be something you have to put up for for a while, but I always ask people, you know, I get hundreds of people emailing me at a time, tweeting, and you know, I, I'm almost overwhelmed sometimes. Some of you for listening, I haven't gone back to you, I apologize. I'm starting to get to the point where even if I allocate an hour or two a day, I can't catch up with everybody, but I try. If you don't hear from me once, try, try it again, and I'll, uh, I probably won't miss you twice, but the most common thing, question that I ask to people, and if you reach out to me, you probably know, or if you have, you'll know. I ask you, what's your end game goal? Because there may be a time where you have to achieve the stable strategy of how aggressive you are and how aggressive you let be, other people be towards you, that you allow yourself to be in a situation that's slightly in somebody else's favor. Give you an example. When I first worked uh, for Joel Salatin, my first mentor when I was right out of high school, 18, 19 years old. What I did, what, you know, I worked for him basically for free. I, I think I got paid, you know, whatever, four bucks an hour or something like that. But I worked 16 hours a day on that farm and I did it happily and willingly. And I'm always glad for that opportunity. And it may have seen, you know, if you looked at it only in the microcosm of that one year, it was, uh, I wasn't making a lot of money, but he wasn't exploiting me because in the long run, the skills I was learning were going to be 100 times more valuable than that exact moment in time when I was only making three or $4 an hour. So understand that it's a teeter-totter, the evolutionary stable strategy. Like I said, the cow with the grass, there's a time when the grass isn't growing well in the winter and the grass is getting to rest and the cow is getting skinny. It's living off the fat. So at that point, the grass is winning. It's not being eaten and the cow's losing. But then come the spring, the grass grows and the cow begins to win because it can eat a lot of grass. There'll be a time in life where you'll be the cow and you'll be winning. You'll be the cow in summer or you'll be the grass in winter. It's okay. That's why I ask people, what's your end game goal? People say, I hate the job that I'm doing now. And I say, well, 
as Joel Salatin used to tell me, a man or a woman can do anything as long as it's not forever. Meaning, if you're in a situation where you realize maybe you're being taken advantage of a little bit, you're working for less than you uh, deserve, as long as you're learning something that will move you towards the end goal that is in your favor, that is in your competitive advantage, then persevere and toughen up a little bit and stop whining. Really, I tell myself this, okay? When I was in New Zealand on this shearing sheep on those farms, I'd wake up at five in the morning and the sheep shears would work for 45 to 50 minutes, then take 10 minutes off and then do it again and again. Hardest work I've ever done. And remember, I've done a lot of physical labor. I lived on a farm for 10 years. I lived with the Amish with no electricity for two and a half years. I milked cows by hand, baled hay, but nothing was harder than shearing sheep in New Zealand. In fact, it's the only thing I've ever done that was physically uh, exhausting to the point where I was like, this is too hard. And when I would ever start to complain, those New Zealand sheep shears would just look at you and say, harden up, mate, toughen up, man, stop whining. They couldn't stand it. Coach Stewart was my uh, basketball, one of my basketball coaches in high school, and he used to say, "Stop whining." In fact, I think <laughs> years later, somebody bought him, made a T-shirt that said, "Stop whining." So, if you're being taken advantage of, and the aggression is from somebody else, but you see a an end result that'll be in your advantage in the long term, then you strike a deal with it where you put up with it. Okay. Just like there'll be a day in business where maybe somebody works for you as an intern or works for you for less money and it's okay. You did the same thing. And, and in a way you're getting, you as the employer would be getting the advantage and the interns not making any money, but it works out. It's stable. It's a give and take. Think about love, social, family, friendships. This same thing must be done. And What is the antithesis of what I'm talking about is understanding life as black and white. I have a friend who gets offended at everything. You know, I'll tell you a funny story. Recently, I don't know, a year ago or something, I was at dinner with these two twins that I know. They're they're like models. They're pretty famous. Uh, I won't say who they are, but there's these two girls that are models. And uh, really, they're actually really smart and, you know, a lot of time models get this bad rap that they're dumb, like the Ben Stiller Zoolander. In fact, the other day, Ben Stiller lives up here on my one of my streets in the Hollywood Hills here, and I was playing basketball, and he drove around and almost crashed into me with his white BMW and, and uh, gave me the Zoolander face. But um, it was pretty funny. But I was with these two twins, and one of them, I was, they went to uh, USC. And one of them was saying, oh, I have not been able, the economy is so bad. I haven't been able to get a job for a year. It's just totally unfair. Everything, you know, that should be better. The government should fix it. And see, she was coming, not to make fun of her, not to call her out, but I'm just saying what I understand now is that she was understanding the world in a black and white, right? She was saying black and white, this is wrong. And what's right is for me to have a job. Well, there, between the cow and the grass, it's not right or wrong when the cow eats the grass, right? Freud in civilization is discontent. He says, if you want to know if something's true, ask yourself if it applies to animals too. If it doesn't, it's probably not true for you. I mean, none of us is, thinks it's unfair that uh, a lion kills a, an antelope. 
But when it comes to us, egocentrically, we go, whoa, 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 wait, are you saying something's not in my advantage? So first of all, that was the first mistake that she made. So I said to her, I said, you know, well, the economy's so bad. Are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm living at home now. I'm okay. I don't have anything to do all day. I said, well, why don't you take this time uh, to go do an internship in something that fascinates you? And I said, what do you want to do? And I think she said fashion or something. I said, well, why don't you just, since you don't have any money, there's no opportunity cost of just going work for free. I said, go work for free. And she said, but that wouldn't be fair. I'd be working for free. And I said, but who cares? You're, you're sitting at home and making zero. Who cares if you're working at an internship for free, building knowledge and skill? And she's just like, no, I'm not going to do that. It's unfair. See, that is the understanding that I'm trying to get past in this show. You can't see aggression of other people or as of the economy or of your body or of your family as inherently an evil or righteous thing and that you're always on the side of righteousness. You have to see it as stable strategies, deals cut between opposing forces. I was trying to say her to her, Go cut a deal with the U.S. economy. It's not giving you any work. It's not paying you. Use it as an education time. I I, I Ted said to her, you paid 50 grand a year to go U, to USC. You paid for your knowledge. It was expensive. An internship, they'll pay you a few bucks. So how does it not make sense to go work? I mean, she unfortunately, if you listen to my other talks, was a victim of many negative Lollapalooza cognitive biases. Uh, and she was definitely a victim of learned helplessness. And you will not be happy. And unless she overcomes that, as Martin Seligman says, your brain will operate with less levels of dopamine, testosterone, and those happiness, uh, uh, you know, processes that you need to be going on in your brain. So as you now, and we move beyond just business, we talk about health, business, cut, striking a deal. If things aren't working out for you, strike a deal with the economy, right? There's different seasons in life. You don't have to always be making a million dollars. Although some of you listening are underperforming and you should be making a million dollars. You're not being aggressive when it's the time to be aggressive. Some of you are being aggressive when it's the time to be learning and building skills. You're already trying to make a million dollars. You know, like Alan Nation, one of my mentors used to say, be careful getting rich in your in your 20s tie because it'll lock you in sometimes to things that you don't want to be locked into you see the ess must be struck also the stable strategy must be struck also with the time in life that you are your life should change if you're 10 years old 20 years old 30 years old 40 years old it does now don't think that just because you hit a certain age you deserve something i see that but I'm saying in general, okay, there are patterns of life and there's different strategies that you have to strike. When you're younger, you're definitely striking one where you're going to be putting in sweat equity, meaning you're putting in work in exchange for knowledge in your brain. And we know this, that your brain's built under 25 to learn much easier. That's why you can learn a language when you're five. So when you're five, this strategy, you got to be striking with the world and the aggressiveness of the world, the selfishness of the world, by the way, you can substitute whenever I say aggressiveness with selfishness. 
right? They go hand in hand. So the world's selfish, doesn't really care about you when you're five. But if you are a kid, most places in the world, it'll give you an education for free. All you have to do is pay attention. Now, in some sense, and you hear this a lot, that there's a conspiracy in education and they're just trying to create, you know, drones and employee mentality. Well, it's probably true. As uh, I think Sir Ken Robinson in his, uh, I think the most watched talk, uh, TED talk on YouTube ever, he talks about what's wrong with our education. Actually, it wasn't uh, Sir Ken Robinson. It's this other guy. I think he's from India. I forget his name now, but he was talking about the education system was formed by the British, the modern education system, uh, in the 1800s when they were building all these colonies in England and Africa and, uh, and around the world, and they wanted kind of bureaucrats. They needed bean counters. So they created reading, writing, handwriting, arithmetic, these things that benefited the British Empire. But they didn't necessarily benefit the people who were having to sit there and be bean counters. And our modern education system kind of prepares you for this life where you just fit into a bureaucratic job. That's not necessarily built to make you happy at all or to make you feel fulfilled. Now, that is a stable strategy that may or may not uh, work for you. Like I said, our modern education system is not pure evil and it's not pure good. It's a stable strategy that they've tried to strike. I think there's a better stable strategy and never forget there's some stable strategies that are better than others. But the modern education system is neither evil nor good. It's built to be good for some situations and bad for others, to be good for some industries and bad for others, to be good for producing certain types of people. The modern education college system works very well for producing medical doctors, very well for producing uh, engineers. Maybe, I don't know, you could argue it doesn't necessarily produce always the best entrepreneurs. There's many entrepreneurs who are college dropouts, right? But for certain things, certainly, uh, modern education system works. It's aggressive in accomplishing its goals. But I'm saying, don't ever be the victim. Go into things with your eyes wide open. Look at it. Don't just go, if you're contemplating going to college or going back to school, don't do it just as a robot that goes back and thinks school is good, not school is bad. It's not that simple. It depends on your end game goal. For me, I dropped out of college. Uh, and for me, I think, you know, I'm not sure if I made the right decision, but it's worked out fairly well, it seems, because it was a stable strategy. I didn't look at college. I've never looked at universities as good or bad. I've never looked at being an entrepreneur as good or bad or being an employer good or bad. It just gives you a different end result. You see, it's a different compromise. And humans don't like this. They want certainty. They want to know, Ty, is it good to invest in this? Like I'm going to give them a black and white answer. Ty, is it good for me to spend $30,000 a year to go to this college? Well, my answer to any kind of question like that is, all depends on the end game you want. For example, if you want to be a medical doctor, I have a cousin, my cousin, he's going to med school. I'm like, do you want to be a doctor? And he's like, yeah, I want to do family practice. I'm like, well, pretty much the only way you can do it in the United States without going to jail is to get a college degree. So go to college. 
right? It's a deal that's been struck with the world. It's going to be pretty hard to change in your lifetime. Uh, so you might as well go to college. And I have other people come to me that say, Ty, I want to uh, learn a language and I want to be a translator and speak, you know, travel the world and do translation and speak different languages. And I'm like, well, I'm not sure college is the way to do that. I think your best thing is take your 50 grand a year and go live, you know, if you want to learn Spanish, go live in Colombia for a year. You'll learn Spanish and just while you're there, say, I'm never going to hang around any English speakers. That's a pretty good stable strategy where you're not being taken advantage of. Remember, colleges and universities have their own quote-unquote selfish interest. They're aggressive towards you, meaning they want their goals. The goal of every college is to be self-perpetuating, to replicate, to continue on, to get people to donate money or get student tuition. And there's nothing good or bad about that. It's just it wants to accomplish its goal. That's why I started out this whole show by saying everything in life is aggressive. And here's why. Let me just step back real fast. At a genetic level, gene level, everything we do is expensive. So if you lift weights or go jogging today or eat a McDonald's hamburger, you're you're forcing different parts of your genes. This is what Dr. Molum told me to secrete, or I, I'm not sure if that's the right word, to start different biological processes, the creation of different enzymes, okay? So for example, if you go jogging on concrete or just jogging in general, it's kind of, you're jolting your skeletal system and you have parts of your, you have these these processes uh, called osteoclasts and osteoblasts. One of them breaks down your skeleton and one of them rebuilds it again. So if you're jumping on around playing basketball versus just sitting in a cubicle in an office. If you sit in a cubicle in an office, your genes say, okay, there's no nothing aggressive happening here exercise-wise. We're going to lay back and go to sleep, and your skeleton weakens. That's why older people oftentimes, you know, break a hip and things. Part of that's obviously the aging process, but part of the, as they exercise less, of their body uh, does not break down and rebuild the skeleton s- system stronger and stronger. In the same way, this is this natural genetic tendency to have to be forced into action A or action B lays the groundwork for aggression in every area in life, in business, in your relationship to a man or a, a woman, and your relationship towards your children, your children have 100% of their own genes. They're 100% interested in their own self-interest, just like you as a parent. Sometimes parents are forced to make very hard decisions. And in general, they make decisions that are somewhat aggressive. Just think of this. Throughout the United States and around the world, There's many women or many men that are single parents and they have to make the decision. Do I remarry? Knowing that remarrying a step, uh, you know, bringing a stepdad or a step uh, mom into the family may or may not be in my child's best interest. A step parent is much more likely to mistreat a kid that's not their own. But that parent has to go, okay, what's in, you know, 
Is it in my best interest to get married again, have more kids, be happy back in a relationship? Or do I do what's 100% in my kids' best interest, which is, you know, and I'm, I'm obviously generalizing. Okay, but this is not a psychological, uh, I'm not having a, you know, I'm not a trained psychologist to say exactly what's the right thing to do, but I am telling you this, and I do know this is correct from all the, uh, agreed upon by evolutionary biologists, sociologists, we are always in a give and take situation. And so wisdom is where you find the answers to the aggression that you're going to experience in life. People, you're going to look back at your life and see where maybe your parents, maybe your brothers, maybe your sisters, maybe your business partners began to be a little bit unfair, to be do things that was was uh, repeatedly in their best interest at your expense. Remember, they might not be trying to be aggressive to you. It might just be happening and you got to learn to cope with it. You can't just be bitter or you can't just be a pushover. You won't make it. Remember, Will Durant says, We humans are acquisitive, greedy, and pugnacious because our blood remembers millenniums through which our forebears had to chase and fight and kill in order to survive and had to eat to their gastric capacity for fear. They should soon not capture another feast. What does that mean? That means simply, you and I, gene-wise, in our DNA, we have the voices and the whispers of 10,000 generations of our mothers and Mothers, mothers, and great-grandmothers, and great-great-great-great, going back hundreds of generations, thousands of generations, tens of thousands of generations. And from them, we have a natural propensity to pursue our best interest. In game theory, if you study this, in genes, for example, you have uh, suckers, cheaters, and grudgers. Now, this is, I'm not going to totally get into this. This is kind of a biological conversation if you study animals. But suffice to say, you and I are the descendants of people who are good at striking deals. For example, a marriage, a man and a woman who are not blood related, they come together. And in great part, the reason that people get married and stay together is to raise children. Obviously, that's not the only reason. I mean, consciously, people experience love and affection, right? They have sexual attraction. That's why they have children. But the end result is a child. It's replication. It's, it's you know, perpetuation of their family line. But that in and of itself is always coming at a cost. Maybe you've experienced where you're part of a big family and one sibling, your brother or sister, got more attention, got more money from the family, got more investment. And you may feel that's unfair. Well, unfair is the wrong way to understand it. You might have a spouse. You might be married to someone. I was talking to somebody that I know and their marriage broke up over many, after many decades. And the reason was there was something not fair. And it's not that it's not fair. That's how we understand it egocentrically. The truth about it, it was something that was in to one person's advantage at the expense of others. And you know what I learned is all of us have done things that are at the expense of others to our benefit and we never think 
twice about it. But when it's done to us, we're very offended. The first part of wisdom and the good life, because you must have the good wisdom to get the good life, as Aristotle said, is you got to stop taking things per- personally. In the great book, The Four Agreements, you know, the four agreements you have to strike with yourself if you want to be happy. One of them is stop taking things personally. That's why I was reading Brother Karamazov. He says, you know, he says very clearly, as a general rule, even the wicked are much more naive and simple-hearted than we supposed. Most people are not doing the things that harm us because they want to harm us. They're simply pursuing their own aggressive slash selfish goals, and you get caught in the crossfire. Some people say, Ty, how is this show going to help me? What's this have to do with life? Well, it has a lot because when you don't understand why you're taking advantage, you know what, uh, why you've been taking advantage of at different situations in life, you build up anger, bitterness, which leads to delusion, which gets you away from wisdom, which robs you of the good life. You know, I was reading Freud and Civilization, It's Discontents. And he says something uh, profound. He says, this life imposed on us is too hard for us to bear. It brings too much pain, too many disappointments, too many insoluble problems. If we are to endure it, we cannot do without palliative measures. And he says there's three of those measures by which we try to deal with the pain of life. Powerful distractions, which cause us to make life light of our misery. Think of sports. Think of watching sports. I'm not saying there's anything. I love sports, but they are things that they distract us and they're powerful. That's how we deal with life. Number two, substitutive satisfactions, which uh, uh, diminish it, right? We fill up our lives with other things that keep us busy. They substitute the time we would be thinking about the hardships of life. And lastly, we have a talk intoxicants, which anesthetize us you think of alcoholism and people smoking these are things that try to deal uh, at how we try to deal with quote-unquote right how hard life is to bear and the reason it's hard to bear is because other forces at work do things that are not always in our best interest have you ever wondered i remember thinking this is a little kid what if everybody in the world would just give me would just give one dollar to me That'd be right now in the modern world, you have, you know, you'd be a multi-billionaire. And it seems like, why wouldn't everybody do, do something that's purely in my best interest? Well, now as I'm older, I know that goes against the genes that are within people, even good people. You don't just go around and if you gave a dollar to every person who asked you, you'd have no money. And that would be not aggressive enough. As you move forward through life, you're going to have to know, like the gambler with, uh, what's his name? Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold them and you got to know when to fold them. That means you have to know when to be aggressive and when to let people be aggressive towards you. If you can't strike that balance, uh, you're not going to achieve health, according to Dr. Mullen. You're definitely not going to achieve wealth. You're not going to have a good social life. And if you don't have those three, you don't get the fourth pillar of the good life, which is happiness. We know what it takes to be happy. You have to be physically healthy at some level. 
or you're going to be dead and you can't be happy when you're literally, you know, or, or bedridden. Uh, number two, you, if you have no wealth, you're not going to be happy. We know this scientifically. Uh, the the uh, Nobel Prize winning um, Kahneman, Daniel Kahneman, you should be making a financial independence level income in your life, which he says in the United States is you know, 70, 80, $90,000 a year. And then there is an increase in happiness a little bit as you go up, not necessarily as steep, the real steep part, the real increase in your happiness is being aggressive financially uh, to the point where you achieve financial independence around this 80 to let's say 120 grand. It's absolutely, if you're not there, you better get there as fast as you can. You better be aggressive enough in life, aggressive enough with other people you better look around when people are taking advantage of you. Maybe it's an employer, your boss, who you're like, I'm worth more money. I'm not going to be happy. I've got the skills. I've put in the hour. Or maybe you do deserve more, but you don't deserve it yet because you've got to educate yourself more. Maybe you're not good enough to get a raise. Whatever you have to do, you better aggressively pursue that. And when it comes to love, you know, I was, I'm an investor in different businesses, started different businesses, and we've all been lied to about love because Hollywood is out to make money. Trust me, the big movie producers in the world show up at my house. I know them personally. And when they make movies, they're aggressive. They're going to make a plot and a storyline that makes them money because they have investors behind them who are aggressive and saying, we want our own selfish best interests, uh, uh, um, appeased or you know we want to fulfill what we need to fulfill and so they're going to make a movie when it comes to love they're going to tell you a story that you're going to be walking to starbucks if you're single and you're going to you know look over across the room and there's going to be the love of your life and sometimes that does happen but when you leave your love life just to fate you're probably going to get in trouble you must pursue this and you must have some level of aggressiveness if you're already in a relationship with somebody married or dating we know you can read this i, I was we recently interviewed uh dr uh, john gray who wrote men are from mars women from venus you know what makes happy relationships lasting last well it's people who aggressively take the time to sometimes pursue other people's best interest, the person they're dating or married to, but yet at times draw the line in the sand and say, hey, I need my needs met too. I haven't had a break. You know, I've been doing the dishes every day for a year. You must strike the ESS there. My goal from this show and why I'm talking about this is so many of us are just jumping from the left to the right. Remember, you're driving a car sometimes and you're driving and you're driving and you kind of fall asleep and you feel yourself, you know, you wake up when you're driving a little bit to the right off the shoulder of the road. And if you're not careful, you'll spin the wheel too far to the left and you'll hit head on traffic and you'll be dead. See, most of us are either too far on the right, bum, 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 on the side of the road, almost going to crash into the guardrail. Or we freak out and just go to the left side and we're hit head on by a Mack truck. My point of this show is you begin, this specific episode of this show, is you begin to say, life's not always black and white. I mean, sure, some things are black and white. There's some gross injustices in the world that we pretty much all agree are black and white, but it's not necessarily black and white that somebody that you work for wants you to work an extra hour 
it's not that they're trying to get you. They're trying to move forward with whatever project and business and income level they want to achieve. And sometimes it's okay for you to go along with it. But there's a time to call a spade a spade and be like, hey, now I work for you. And uh, you need me. You've called in some cards. You've said, hey, I need you to work overtime. We got a big launch this week or whatever. And you say, that's great. And when that time came, I compromised with your selfish goals. And I don't mean that in negative. You might not want to say it <laughs> to them if you don't want to get fired. But you say, look, man, I did. Now there's a time I'm going to ask something of you. I won't need a raise or there's a part of the company that I think I'd be better suited. Can you give me some new responsibilities? You see, you got to know when to do a compromise and when to be aggressive for yourself. If you can go through the next 18 months of your life, I always like to set 18 months goals and you can say, man, when it comes to conflicts in life, I'm going to know when to hold them and I'm going to know when to fold them. And the only way you're going to get there is to begin to experiment. You cannot be afraid of experimenting. I can't tell you how to do this. Only you know your love life. Because you're going to have to do this in your love life, right? Anybody who's dated anybody knows. You know, you can either be... Most of us are either being taken advantage of or we're manipulating too much. If you can come and gain the wisdom and know how to do this, your life is going to jump up another notch when it comes to success, health, and happiness. When it comes to your body, you're going to have to. I asked Dr. Mullum, I was like, how well are these genetic tests going where you can just test yourself? You know, we have some of these. You can tell if you're lactose intolerant, for example. That test has been out. But some of these things, you're going to have to experiment, try eating, you know, try drinking a whole bunch of milk. If you stomach's upset right away and you get an allergic reaction or something, you get sinuses, then that's part of the experiment and you stop doing it, right? You read your body, your body revolts, it's aggressive actually in giving you the sign and you move on. You must experiment a lot. When it comes to finances, you got to experiment with how you deal with your business partners, with how you deal with your employees, with your bosses, with your customers. You know, there's a time to tell your customers, look, hey, someone's just trying to take advantage of your refund policy. There might be a time where you're just like, look, we're doing everything we can here. Meet me halfway, buddy. What can I do? What can we do? And there's a time when you just go, look, we're going to have to agree to part ways. I mean, in general, like Sam Walton said, the customer is always right. But he didn't mean it how people say that the customer is always right in the sense that the customer could always abuse you. That's not what he meant. He meant the customer teaches you what you need, what it wants. So if you're thinking you need to be selling bars of soap in your store, but the customers always come in and ask for shampoo, then the customer is always right. If you want to be in business, you better sell shampoo. But there's a time when one particular customer is a pain in the butt. And Joel Sout taught me in business not every customer is a profitable customer. So every once in a while, he's like, listen, we don't get along. Let's just give your money back and you go on and never do business with us. And we're, you know, it's great. Find somebody you work well with. You got to be able to do that. And too many, I, I know in my own life, I've really struggled with this. Um, for very, you know, I don't know why. 
um, struggled with being able to be balanced. Uh, many times in my life, I'm either, you know, really aggressive, really freaking out and yelling at somebody, or I'm just letting people push, push me over. I, you know, I tend to not be much of a pushover. I tend to be a little bit too extreme on the other side of, of, you know, being, uh, pursuing my own interests, you know, and being aggressive. But man, as, I've learned occasionally to do this thing well and to get to an, a stable strategy. Everything is better. I mean, you sleep better because the danger is if you don't listen to what I'm talking about and you don't begin to experiment, you don't begin to try to start to strike deals with your body, strike deals with your business situation, your customers, your employees, your bosses. If you don't strike deals with how you treat your friends, family, loved ones, romance, you will not strike a deal with your own brain and achieve that happiness that you want. And you will begin to build fear. And I was reading uh, by the spear about Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great said, through every generation of the human race, there has been a constant war, a war with fear. Those who have the courage to conquer it are made free, and those who are conquered by it are made to suffer until they have the courage to defeat it or death takes them. It's profound words. See, he was saying we're at a war with fear. And even fear in your own brain must become an ESS. You must not eliminate all fear because we know fear is what's called a functional. It's an adaptive purpose. It serves a purpose in our brain. You can't be someone that sees the world always black and white like a little baby that sees, oh, you know, Santa Claus is good and you know, Bugs Bunny is good. And when you're little, you always ask, Who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? And in a good movie, there is no clear good guy or bad guy. In a, of course, you know, a little Hollywood flick where they're trying to make money and sell lots of tickets, they like to be like, here's the good guy dressed in white and here's the bad guy dressed all in black. But that's an elementary childish understanding. As you get older, you go, it's not about that. And with fear, don't ever listen to someone who says, have no fear, no fear. Do whatever you want in life. That person will be dead pretty soon. They'll touch, put their hand on the stove one too many times. They got bit by a dog with their five and there's a Rottweiler and they'll just, oh, I have no fear. Well, that Rottweiler will eat you up. My neighbor has a Rottweiler. I'm like, God help me if that thing ever gets off its leash. You know, so a little bit of fear is okay. You're going to have to strike an ESS stable strategy with, uh, with your own fears, but don't, if you're dominated by fear, that's not a stable strategy. That's what Alexander the Great was saying, right? And you got to strike one with being courageous. You need courage. I tend to find in the modern world, we tend to, most people I encounter do not have a stable strategy and their stable strategy is much too fearful. Remember, in the modern world, you have less to fear if you're not an entrepreneur and you really have always wanted to. The odds of you going broke and being homeless and starving to death and your family dying is very low. It happened in the Middle Ages or something, you know, BC, if you didn't eat or if you were a caveman or something. But we tend to be so afraid now when really logically there's less need. So I think the ESS most of us can strike now in the modern world is more on the side of being bold, but yet keeping enough fear to understand that there's forces that can come back and bite you in the butt if you're not careful. 
all right? So at everything, I want you to start thinking about life. I want you to start removing the black and whites of good or bad. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying you need to be a, a full, you know, complete relativism about right and wrong. I'm not saying that it's okay to, you know, kill people and stuff like that. I think, I hope everybody understands that you don't need an, uh, an, an ESS about, you know, uh, taking advantage of people and things like that. But yeah, just remember, even there with killing people, I think most people would agree. Unless you're an extreme pacifist. If you are, I respect that. The Amish were pacifists. But most of us, if you were in a situation where your loved one, your wife, your husband, your child, your mother, brother, sister, uh, you were in your house and there was a robber coming in and they were deranged and on drugs and they were going to kill you and you had the means to kill them first, you would, right? You would say, hey, look. In this situation, you're trying to take advantage of me. And the stable strategy is for me to strike first. And I don't think any of us would say that's right or wrong. Again, I'm not here. This is not a conversation today about moral relativism and is if there is good or bad. I think most of us would agree there's, there is good and there is bad. I think most of us would agree that Adolf Hitler was bad. I was reading the story of Michael Jordan in uh, Roland Lazenby's the, the, the Michael Jordan, the life. And it's a great story, you know, but it's a sad story, a story of Michael Jordan um, and, a, and a young boy who like the make a wish foundation had had made his wish that he would be able to be with Michael Jordan. And uh, he had had his face burned off by his own crazy father, this little kid. So I think we'd all agree that there, is no excuse for that to ever happen by a father. And that is the definition of, of evil. Okay. At least that's how I see it. You maybe could have some crazy argument about moral relativism or the dad, but I just think we don't have to take this to extremes. I'm not asking you to excuse evil in the world. I'm saying on the gray areas of life, like I said, back when that pastor was praying about having the sunshine, but yet there could be a farmer down the road wanting rain for his crops. That's an example. There's no, there's not like good or bad. It's not like the pastor was bad for wanting the rain to fall. I mean, the, the sun to shine or the farmer want the rain. So there's the gray areas. And then I think there's black and white. By the way, little side note on that Michael Jordan story. Uh, I know people that sometimes don't like Michael Jordan. Um, and, or have little things to say about him, but it's a great story. This kid and, and, uh, with, who had his face burned off and I think was going to die and had made a wish he got would be able to spend time with Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan was at his peak of his career and, and the kid was just so happy. And the other Chicago Bulls basketball players said just looking at this kid made them cry and they couldn't hardly handle being around him. They wanted to make the kid feel good, but it was so overwhelming to see a kid with his face burned off. Yet Michael Jordan, this international most famous athlete uh, of, of the time, just treated the kid like a normal kid and just hung out with him and had, you know, took him to dinner before the game. And, and then when that game started, 
Michael Jordan took that kid and did something he didn't normally do and put him right there on the bench, right there next to the game with the players. And every time he'd come down and shoot basketball, he'd look at that kid and say, that was for you. And that kid was so excited, right? Kid been through the worst thing ever, face burned off by his own father, the betrayal, the aggression of a father against his own child. I mean, if that's not pure evil, I don't know what is. And this, and Michael Jordan was going back and forth, you know, this kid was so happy. And one of the referees came to Michael Jordan and he said, this is against the regulations. You cannot have this kid on the basketball court. And Michael Jordan, I forget the exact words, basically said, you don't touch that kid. I'm going to get you fired from the NBA or, you know, don't touch that kid. I'm the most powerful man in basketball. And that kid got to stay. And Michael Jordan said, this is what's going to happen. I don't care about any rules. This kid was going to get his day to be happy after all he's been through. And they said after that game, when he walked off and Jordan put his arm and walked off the court with that kid, they said all the Chicago Bulls just cried and were always remembered that about Michael Jordan. Now, that's a side note, not necessarily anything to do with per se what we're talking about, but it's a great story. I do believe in that there is evil. Uh, I do believe there is pure good. And I do believe there are many things in life that are in between. And I believe the majority of life is in between. And the majority of life and the quality of your life is just going to come down to it. So when you go home today to your family, to your friends, I want you to begin to think of your relationship with them. Not just in extremes like, oh, they're always taking advantage of me. Start thinking. Like Monger says, you have to be able, before you can argue one position, you have to be able to argue the other position better than you can argue your own. So argue the other sides. Maybe your wife, husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, child has been annoying you. And you got to ask yourself, well, maybe it's not a stable strategy. Maybe I'm asking too much for them and I'm not giving enough. And maybe there's an increase in friction because of that. Argue their side. Now, there is a time when I think you're not getting along because another person's being a pain in the butt and it's not your fault. And that's when you put the your foot down and you put a line, you look them face to face, say, we need to have a talk after dinner. And you say, listen here, let me explain something. I want to hear your side, but I want to explain my side. You are taking advantage of me too aggressively. And this is not working out right here. So Let's talk till we solve this, but make no mistake, my friend. This is going to get solved here. Don't be a pushover. Don't have any, uh, don't be spineless. Stand up for what is right, but also understand, be stable and don't be black and white there. Understand you might not have perfect vision and understanding of the situation. You might be biased. So give them their chance to put their foot in the ground, their stake in the ground and listen to them. In business, it's the same way. In with your body, it's the same way. It's all about compromise at many levels. It's all about compromise. Newton's third law. Every action has an opposite and equal reaction. You can put your foot down too hard and they just leave and you'll be alone. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes you have to be alone. Okay? But sometimes you can 
work it out. It can work out fine. It can work out fine. I know this show has been, you know, fairly complicated one, but this is one you're going to have to think about. And let me just say as a side note to this, your life and the quality of your life is going to be not just about some specifics like we talked about, like if you can deal with the aggression of the world and selfishness of other people and selfishness of the economy uh, by creating a stable strategy, a compromise strategy. But you're going to have to be able to think. You're going to have to be able to think. People try to put their finger on success of this person, that person. Oh, Bill Gates got lucky and Steve Jobs, oh, this person inherited their money. I'm telling you, I've built my life where I get great opportunities to meet the greatest people in the world. People that, you know, are the smartest people, people that are, you know, 10 times smarter than me, people that are uh, 10 times more successful than me. And I see a pattern. They're all thinking. They're all reading. They're all learning. Interesting. Alexander the Great and by the spear. He had books sent to him wherever he traveled. Those of you who know, you know my TED talk about how I read a book a day. Uh, those of you in the inner circle, uh, so those of you who are in my boot camp, business boot camp, you guys are reading, you're downloading knowledge. The stuff that I talked about in this today's session, uh, uh, you know, talk, some of you who are newbies to what I'm talking about are like, wow, what is this guy even talking about? But those of you who are beginning to download, download knowledge, the experience, the wisdom of the world's top people into your brain, this is going to be making sense and you're going to back off kind of black and white on certain things and you're going to go, oh, that's what Isaac Newton meant by the third law. I got to find that place where there's not an opposite and equal reaction that I don't like. You can do this. Now, when it comes to business, if you've been to my website, tylopez.com, if you're already advanced in business, check out my inner circle. That is very important. There's a little application you can do. We'll, uh, we talk and we kind of review people. We go into, you know, on these shows that I, that I give away free, those are kind of like samples of me talking and what I believe, although they're not really just samples. They're definitely full thoughts, you know, hour long things. Uh, if you want to know specifically how this applies to you in business to make money, if you're a newbie, you can go to my site, tylopez.com and see the business, uh, the business boot camp that I have. The first three belts, white, yellow, blue, to get you started, uh, and get you to, you know, six figure, seven figure business. And then those of you who can join the inner circle who want to push beyond million dollar businesses. Okay. Or you might already be there and want to keep going up the chain. I've got the, uh, the, uh, purple, brown, black, and now the red belt. If you happen to hope own a corporation, uh, a, a very large one and, uh, you want me to come in, I do consulting. Again, for those of you who don't know, I'm an investor. It's my main business, but I do do consulting. And, uh, but this is, you have to have a, a very, for, so I said, I've got for beginners, I've got the business boot camp. If you're listening to this, for those of you who are at seven, want to get to or are at the seven figure level, I have the inner circle. For those of you who are very, I, I've got a lot of people listening that are, you know, huge businesses, 50 million, 100 million. I have this red belt consulting that I do. That's generally for larger companies. And that's, uh, I think I'm one of the, uh, you know, that's like a million dollar, uh, consulting thing. Now don't worry. That's only for people that are making a hundred million plus. But for those of you who are at other levels, 
Um, there's things, you know, for everybody there. There's things that are free that I do. But these sophisticated strategies that I'm talking about, 99% of the world doesn't know what we're talking about. How many people have you ever met that knows what an ESS is? You're learning things that give you insight that most people don't have. Like I love to talk about Plato, the Republic. People are in the cave. They're looking at shadows that are on the wall that they think that are reality. And they're so far from it. But successful people, when it comes to health, wealth, love, and happiness, they have clarity. You must achieve clarity in every area of your life, in every major area. There will be areas like Ellie Wiesel, the Nobel Prize winning author that are outside of our understanding that we'll never fully understand probably as humans. But those things that are within your capacity to have insight and to step out of the cave into the light, those are your responsibility. It's part of being alive. If you study any religion, any of the great religions, any they're all saying you've got to be moving towards the truth. You know, Christianity, I'm the way, the truth. And the life. Narrow is the way that leads to salvation. And wide is the way that leads to destruction. If you're, you know, Eastern, Buddhism, same thing. The middle way, seven path, sevenfold path to enlightenment. Enlightenment there means understanding more. So I hope you will listen to these. I hope some of you will go beyond just the free things I do. And I don't say this just because I'm a salesman or something. I'm not. This is not the large part of my income, but it's important that you invest in your brain financially. As the teacher said, as the spiritual teacher said, where your money is, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Also commit to spend money on things. I don't care how you do it. Go to my website, look at the recommended books and there's links to Amazon. Buy books, lots of them. Lots of them. I want you to overspend. I want you at the end of the year not to look at your, you know, gas budget and go, ooh, we spent too much money on gas. Ride a bike. (laughs) It's free and you get healthier. If you could ride a bike to work, ride a bike to work. My brother, I live in the Hollywood Hills. He lives down in, in the flat part of Hollywood. I, I've been drilling this philosophy into him. He lives on 250 bucks a month. Everyone says Hollywood's expensive. I'm like, don't listen to them, Ben, you know, and he's toughened up. Now, not everybody can do that, but he sleeps on somebody's couch and he walks up the hill every day and he's a lean, mean machine and becomes strong from doing that. And I told him, you take all your money and you invest it in your brain. I want you to be surprised at the end of the year how much you spent on seminars and conferences and traveling and mentors and books and online programs and offline programs and everything you can do. This is the only way I'm telling you, look around you, read the books, what made people great. They spent a lot on learning. There's no dumb successful people I've ever met. I didn't say everybody has 170 IQ. There's no people that are un enlightened that are successful. Now, nobody has perfect enlightenment. I'm not just saying that every enlight- every person who's wealthy or every person who's in great shape is just this absolute genius. But you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I remember at, uh, last year at uh, one of the Lakers, Ron Artest, met a world peace. He had a birthday with my friend, and I was at the 
we went to a little restaurant and uh you would think, you know, oh, he's just this partying guy. No, he was like eating salads and eating well and all disciplined in how he was. And and it was his birthday. And I was thinking, see, guys at the top, women at the top, they earn it. You have to earn it. No entitlement. Part of the ESS, the stable strategy, is that your aggression must also be put towards your own brain. So... Find something to go into. Go to a Tony Robbins seminar. Go to whatever. Don't be afraid. People are always like, oh, these scams. I'm like, who cares? Really? You know what's a real scam? The stuff you already do spend your money on. The food system in America. That's pretty close to a scam. Read the ingredients of the food you're eating. There are people scamming you. Trust me. They could put high quality ingredients, but they put artificial, you know, corn syrup into it. You know, I get really bothered by this, as you can tell, because it's such low-level understanding of the world. Stop worrying about being ripped off for education. I'd rather you get ripped off and occasionally buy a course that doesn't. You spend five hundred bucks and it only delivers four hundred dollars worth of value. That's a heck of a lot better than five hundred dollars in gas in a few months, or five hundred bucks on a car you didn't need, or. $500 on a pair of shoes, a couple pair of shoes and a couple pair of jeans and a couple, you know, a year's worth of junk food, potato chips, all those things that end up harming you. Double down on your education budget. If you don't know what to invest your money on, you can, uh, if you want to invest in some stuff, start by something that I don't make any money on. So this is not self-serving. Trust me. People sometimes, you know, think, are all suspicious. You might be one of those people I like to suspiciously think, oh, everybody's out to try to get my money. I'm not. I spent $32,000 on Amazon last year buying books. Anytime you're in my house, you can see the hundreds and hundreds and thousands of books that are laying all over my house. I spend my money on those. I put my money where my mouth is. I've spent millions of dollars educating myself. And it's every penny of it was worth it. So to get what you want, you have to deserve what you want. The world's not yet a crazy enough place to reward a whole bunch of undeserving people. If you want to look into some of the courses I have, like I said, go on my site, look at the academy, business school. Uh, if you're starting out or, or just, you know, already have your own business making pretty good money. Or if you're not even in business for yourself, work for somebody else, start there. If you're already pretty advanced, look at the inner circle stuff that I have. You can do an application for that. That's by invitation only. But also the simplest place to start if you only got have, you know, five bucks is go and go to my rec, go to tylopez.com and look at the books list and just pick some of those. Some of those books you can get for a dollar. My 67 steps is out. And that's another thing. Check that out. I've got a couple different ways. That's, I'm going to be talking about that later. But whatever you do, if you don't ever make it to my website, double down on your brain and spend money on it because you'll only pay attention if you spend money. Now, uh, the question that I have, I always like to ask a question. I need the feedback. It helps me build the next things that I'm doing. If you're listening to this on my podcast, you can leave it as a review. I read the reviews. And I get ideas. It really helps me. You know, I give away all this stuff for free. And the only thing I ask for people is leave me some comments so I know if you like this, know what you don't like. Don't be afraid to hurt my feelings if you've got things that you think I could do better. 
I'm sure I can. And I'm the biggest experimenter. I read a thing Sam Walton had made in America. Part of the reason he made $160 billion, which by the way, another way to say that is $160,000 million is one of his people at work from said, the crazy thing about Sam Walton is I've never met a man less afraid about making a mistake. If he makes a mistake, he just shakes it off and moves on. And I try to be the same way. So don't worry about hurt my feelings. Uh, and uh, the same thing, if something's going well, tell me, right? I've been very happy, you know, to see so many five-star reviews. And uh, I hope I can keep that up. But give me the feedback. If you're listening to this in YouTube, give me feedback here in comments. I answer the comments. If you're watching this on my website, leave a comment. And the question I have to you is what area specifically, what are the specific areas you're imbalanced and have not, and have been looking at it too black and white and have not said, you know what? Let me compromise here. Let me not be a pushover and let people be too aggressive and selfish on me. But at the same time, you know, let me not be too aggressive against them. What is it? Is it someone you're dating? Someone you're married to? A friend? Children? too aggressive in training your body or not training your body enough and getting too fat? Or have you financially been a pushover? You're working for somebody else's dream. There's no end game for you. You're not having any chance to make any money and and save up. What is going on there? Show me and tell me what that is and what you can do different. Can be as practical as can be as specific as you're okay with. You can also uh, answer this on Twitter at Ty Lopez. I've got a big Twitter following, almost 160,000 of you. Thank you. Uh, Instagram, Ty Lopez one. Uh, and also I'm on LinkedIn. And if you happen to be driving, you can always email me at Ty at Ty Lopez.com. So thanks so much. Remember what, what Alexander the Great said. Don't ignore what I'm saying or the fear will build too much to, uh, up to, uh, to too high a level. And you will not conquer the goals that you have in life. And if you don't conquer those goals and you don't achieve them, there's no happiness. There's only artificial happiness. You don't want to be like Freud says where you're trying to cover up the the stress of life with palliative measures, with covering them up like makeup, like their blemishes. You want to eliminate the blemishes so you don't need the makeup. So you don't need the drugs. So you don't need the distraction because your life is a good life. All right. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.